to the Foul Balls podcast for March 12th, 2018. We have a short four-game Monday slate, a lot of blowout risk, and not really a ton of value right now, so it doesn't really look like a great slate as of now, but that could always change. Uh, first game on the slate is the Milwaukee Bucks at the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, this should be a pretty low-scoring game. I would assume that this is going to have do you think this is going to have the lowest total on the slate mat or the second lowest? Well, yeah, we can't we can't actually say where it ranks right now because it's actually the only game of the four that even has a Vegas line yet. Um, let's see. I think it will be the second lowest. I think Miami Portland probably will be lower. It's two hundred seven right now. It actually opened at two hundred five and a half. So someone someone's betting the over. Uh, most people are betting the under so far, but I guess someone must be betting the over for it to move up a point and a half already. Well, from the Bucks side of the game, um, I don't really think Giannis is a particularly great target because I think that there's other expensive guys who, I, who I'm going to think have more upside than him for this slate. Uh, I do think Eric Bledsoe is in play. Kind of started to give up on Jabari Parker getting a lot of minutes, but since it's only a four-game slate with no value, maybe this is the, the last chance you take a shot on Park getting more minutes. They just haven't really been there for him. He's played uh, no more than 25 minutes now in, what is it, six, seven consecutive games. So the minutes just haven't really gone up like I thought they were going to. From the Memphis side of the game, they have, let's see, who's Memphis always has a ton of guys who are injured. Um... Well, Tyreek Evans is already ruled out, so it's actually just Jarrell Martin who's listed as questionable for them. Uh, let's see. Marcus Soule, I think it's 7500 is actually a pretty decent play. The Bucks have struggled a little bit against centers this year. Gasol's priced down mostly because he rested last game. So I think that he's in play at 7500 uh, The rest of the guards, Ben Mackmore's up to 5300 now. Uh, Kobe Simmons, let's see, how many minutes has he been playing? Because he's only 3900 well, the issue with Kobe Simmons before you even, I guess it may not even matter because uh, Wayne Selden is back, right? I don't think Andrew Harrison is, but Wayne Selden should be there. Selden played last game, though, and Simmons still played 36 minutes. So it's a really tough matchup for Simmons, but I think somebody who's going to be playing potentially 30-plus minutes at 3,900 is worth rostering on this slate when we need salary saving somewhere. Yeah, I think Simmons is someone where if, value doesn't open up at other spots with some of the injuries that we'll get to, then Simmons could be one of the stronger, cheap plays on the slate. And I do think Marcus Soule at 7,500 makes sense. It's a road game for the Bucks. Their worst position defensively is opposing centers. And Gasol actually has been playing plenty of minutes, even as the Grizzlies continue to tank. So it's basically Gasol is resting or he's playing his full minutes. The only game where Gasol played less than 30, I think less than 31 minutes recently, uh, when they were playing in Chicago, and I guess they really didn't want to beat the Bulls. The game was close in the fourth quarter, and they just benched Marcus Gasol and Jermichael Green because uh, they're fighting for draft position with the Bulls. There's not that concern against the Bucks, who are probably a playoff team. The Bucks are in the eighth seed in the East right now. So I don't think the Grizzlies are going to go too far out of their way to lose on purpose and bench Gasol for the fourth quarter in this one. So yeah, Gasol, uh, maybe Simmons. I think Jabari Parker is worth using on this slate because, yeah, we kind of do have to reach. It's not a great slate. And he is a little bit cheaper than he's been the last few games. I think he was up to about 5000 for a couple of games, and now he's at 4700 And Bledsoe seems a little underpriced, too. 
Uh, and then, yeah, I definitely agree with you on Giannis because there are plenty of expensive players to pick from, from and a few of them do have better matchups. Although Giannis may have a lot less blowout risk than some of the other guys. So I won't completely rule out using Giannis yet. Yeah, that that is uh, that is something I didn't really think about. Is while in a vacuum, Westbrook and Harden are definitely both better plays. There is more safety in Giannis because the other game's a lot more blowout risk. So this one here, the Kings at the Thunder. We right now have Scal is questionable to play. Uh, obviously, all of the Kings veterans are always questionable because of potential rest. So from the Kings side of the game, they're always annoying to target, but on a four-game slate. It's kind of hard to avoid them entirely. Um, if Scal is out, then the value is probably going to be in the Kings' front court. Uh, I think Willie Cauley Stein would be a good play. Whoever doesn't rest between Zebo and Kufis could be a good play if Scal's out. If Scal plays, then I think he's a good play, assuming he doesn't have a minutes restriction. He missed today's game with the hip injury, took a really bad fall a couple games ago, and that's what held him out. Uh, so I think that he would be in play. De'Aaron Fox at 5,400, I think he's kind of a fringy play, but the minutes are usually there for him consistently as long as he's healthy, so I think that he would be worth rostering. From the Thunder side of the game, the issue of here is just will the Kings be able to keep the game close? They lost by a million points on Sunday. That happens to the Kings a lot. They're not trying to win games. They do weird things with their rotations. They play in a lot of non-competitive basketball games. If this stays close... Westbrook should have a really big game. Paul George has a chance to have a really big game. Uh, Carmelo Anthony rarely has a chance to have a really big game. But I think that he would be worth rostering in GPP against the Kings at a price tag under 6000 The other thing here, Steven Adams is questionable with an ankle injury. He rolled it towards the end of the Thunder last game. I, I think this is a pretty good spot for the Thunder to hold out Adams, so I think he's probably more likely to sit than play just because they're going to be such big favorites and they don't need him to win this game. If he's out, then Jeremy Grant's probably going to be a better play. Patrick Patterson's a better play. Uh, it's just kind of hard to guess who they start. I would guess Jeremy Grant would start his place. Well, if Steven Adams is out, there's actually probably a lot less blowout risk because OKC has no depth. They essentially have four really good players, or four good players, I guess depends what you want to call Carmelo Anthony. But after Adams, and I guess after... Westbrook, George, and Mello. Everyone on the team is pretty bad. So not having Steven Adams there, I think, gives the Kings a much better chance to keep the game close. So I think this could be a pretty intriguing stack spot. It would make Westbrook a better player to pay up for, and I do think it is likely that Adams sits out. And it's the first game on the slate, so we, we should theoretically know who the Kings are starting at least. But that hasn't... Well, we haven't seen the Kings play at the same time as Locke in quite a while, because they're usually, when they're at home, they're playing late on the West Coast. And if they're playing a road game, it's usually another Western Conference team. Uh, they haven't played a road game in the East in a while. So maybe this is a time where at least we get the update for who's starting for Sacramento, even if we don't know exactly who will be available in their rotation. Um, this is the second half of a back-to-back, -back, so they'll probably rest someone. But do you think it's it's more likely than usual that we get some kind of update before this game. Uh, well, yes, more likely, more likely than usual because they're usually playing at ten thirty. But does that mean we'll get it? Not necessarily, because there's a lot of times where the game starts at ten thirty and we still don't know who's resting for them until twenty minutes after the game starts. 
Yeah, that does it does happen a lot. Uh, I guess it's notable that Willie Cauley-Stein came off the bench on Sunday. I think they were saying something about having his first game back being in Denver and the altitude. They didn't want to push him too hard because of his conditioning. And he came off the bench and played semi-restricted minutes. Also kind of hard to tell because the game was a huge blowout and the fourth quarter of the game was entirely out of hand. So Cauley-Stein, I don't know, that's a little bit risky if we don't know exactly what's going on with him. He's still not fully healthy, perhaps. Fox and Heald and Bogdanovich, I, I think those guys are safer, but figuring out which Kings to target is hard. I guess just if Adams is out, I'm much more inclined to use Westbrook and other Thunder players because there's more of a chance the game stays close. Yeah, I mean, maybe marginally. Uh, I still just have the issue that the Kings are terrible. And it, this is also the tail end of a back-to-back on the road for the Kings. So, Well, I'll make the prediction for uh, for the point spread. I guess with Adams in and out, I think if Adams plays, the spread for this game is probably only like 12 or so because OKC isn't that good of a team. They're not on the same level as like the Rockets or Warriors. They may not even be on the same level as like the Raptors or even the Spurs or some of the other second tier teams. They're probably more like a third tier team. I don't know if you agree with that, but those caliber of teams are usually not more than 12 or 13 point favorites in any game. And then if Adams is out, I think this could even be a single-digit spread or probably right around 10 points. I think it would be double-digits even if Adam was out. I'm going to guess that it would be 10 right on the dot, and I would probably say that that's a little too high. Yeah, it's. I mean, just for me, the tail end of a back-to-back on the road is a pretty big factor also. And I also think it matters if they played in Denver on Sunday. Yeah, that, that definitely hurts a little, but I also think that back-to-backs matter a little less for a team who spreads their minutes around so much, and their team is a bunch of young players. Well, I guess I shouldn't say that because they do have Costa Kufas, Vince Carter, Zach Randolph, and Garrett Temple, so maybe, maybe I'll uh, throw well, that Garrett part. Well, Temple isn't old, he's just bad. <laughs> Fine. They, they, they do have veterans, though. All right, next game on the slate is the San Antonio Spurs with the Houston Rockets. From the Spurs side of the game... Marcus Aldridge has already been ruled out. Uh, what is it? Uh, knee, ankle. I don't know. He's had a bunch of issues recently, but he's not playing tomorrow. So once again, we have an issue. Blowout risk here because the Rockets are really, really good. From the Spurs side of the game, I think that Pau Gasol is worth rostering. I think DeJounte Murray is worth rostering. Uh, Davis Bertans or Joffrey Laverne, one of them will probably end up starting in place of Aldridge. I think that they're both worth playing. From the Rockets side of the game, uh, what is the pricing on James Harden and Chris Paul? The other thing, too, is I think that there's – this is very, very speculative. I think that there's somewhat of a chance that Chris Paul gets rested because they rested Harden on Sunday and tail into a back-to-back. So Paul played not really extra minutes because the game is a little bit of a blowout. But if they were willing to risk rest – Harden on Sunday, maybe they'll be willing to rest Paul on Monday since the Spurs are going to be without Aldridge. So that is a possibility. I would make Harden a really strong play, but that's just kind of a random what-if that I'm throwing out. Uh, so Harden, I think, is fine to pay up for. 10700 a little cheap for him. Same Chris Paul, 7700 I think, is worth rostering. Clint Capella's okay. Trevor Reese is okay. Uh, none of them great value plays, but I think they're all fine GPP plays. Yeah, and if, if Paul does sit then it's a boost to everybody in the game, basically. Harden gets more usage. Eric Gordon would be a really strong play at 5,200. But also, with how good Chris Paul is defensively, it would be a boost to the Spurs' offensive output, also basically for the entire team. 
Chris Paul plays kind of slow, too. I think you'd see a really big jump in the over-under if Paul is out. And yeah, this is speculative, but I think this actually becomes a really strong slate if Paul doesn't play, because then we get a ton of value in this game. And I think, like, Tahante Murray would be a better play. Even LaMarcus Aldridge would probably be a little bit better of a play, even though it's not really the same position. So this would be a much more stackable game. As it stands now, though, I think everyone, probably who you've mentioned, is kind of marginal. But there are some decent targets from this game. All right, final game on the slate. Uh, This figures to be one of the... Well, this is probably the only game I would say that doesn't have substantial blowout risk. And that is the Miami Heat playing at the Portland Trailblazers. From the Heat side of the game, we have Hassan Whiteside. Questionable... With uh, hip injury, he sat out last game. Bam Adebayo started in his place. Assuming Adebayo starts again, his price didn't really go up. It only went to 3800 because he got in foul trouble and didn't finish with a good game. Kelly Olenek went up to 5600 because he had a good game. James Johnson stayed at 4400 So I think that there's pricing value on Bam Adebayo and James Johnson, both of them if Whiteside is out. Uh, Kelly Olenek. Had a really big game last time, and it's more expensive. He would be my least favorite target of the three Heat bigs. Uh, Goran Dragic at 6,300. The minutes have been a little bit spread out uh, in the Heat's backcourt, but Dwayne Wade's also out for this game. So I think that Dragic could play a little bit more minutes than usual, and 6,300 is just kind of cheap for his upside. Uh, From the Blazers' side of the game, Nurkic, I think, is worth looking at in GPP at 5,600, especially if Whiteside's out. I think that he would... Whiteside's not really a great defender. I think he's a little overrated in terms of his defensive play. But he is the type of guy, just because the one thing that Whiteside does do well is protect the rim, and Nurkic basically scores all of his points at the rim. So I think Nurkic would be negatively impacted by Whiteside playing but he would have an easier time against Ida Pio and only 5,600 Nurkic always has the upside, always has the downside also. And then McCollum and Lillard, I think are both kind of okay, but I would much prefer paying up for the Harden or Westbrook type guy. Yeah. It's a tough matchup for Lillard and McCollum. They're maybe cheap enough to consider, but yeah, I think I probably wouldn't use much of them. Uh, I think that the white side news kind of makes or breaks this entire slate. Like, I really don't think it's playable if we don't know his status going into lock. Because Whiteside has a massive impact on all the players to be used for this game. Like you said, for Nurkic, that makes sense. We've talked about how Whiteside really is only good defensively against certain kinds of players, the kinds of centers who score at the rim, because that's where Whiteside is good defensively, and he doesn't really guard shooters well at all. So if he's not there, it's a big boost for Nurkic, and if we don't know what's going on there, then it's really just a guess. Um... The other evidence for Whiteside being, I guess, at least useful defensively or keeping games lower scoring is that anytime he's out, the over-under for the game will go up by usually a few points. Like, it's almost the opposite effect of what Steph Curry or Kyrie Irving does that we've talked about, where they actually impact the total more than they impact the team's chances of winning and losing. And Whiteside has the opposite. So if he's ruled out, maybe the Heat point spread only moves by one or one and a half or something, but the over-under could go up by four or five. If he's not there, it actually probably does make Lillard and McCollum usable, and it makes all those other Miami guys like Bam and like Olenek and James Johnson, and it's maybe even a boost for Richardson or Wayne Ellington because it's just one less guy and they already don't have Dwayne Wade. 
So and, and the Heat's offense is way better without Whiteside. The Heat score 104.5 points per 100 possessions with Whiteside on the floor this year, and they score 110.5 points per 100 possessions with him off the floor. So he definitely does not help them on offense, or at least isn't helping them this season. Well, that's good evidence for why the, uh, the over-under goes up so much when he doesn't play, because... It's worse defense. They're playing smaller lineups, I think, is part of it. So they play worse defense just because of that. And yeah, they play better offense without him. So I think I think the defense because they only they do give up one more point per hundred possession with him off the floor. But I think it's probably the over under looking at the numbers probably has more to do with the Heat are just probably a better team on offense and better overall without Whiteside. And I think it's also probably a faster game when he doesn't play if they're playing more small ball. Like, Kelly Olenek has to create a more up-tempo game than Hassan Whiteside does. Um, yeah, that's that's also a possibility. So if we know that Whiteside's out, I think that a lot of players from this game are worth targeting. It could be a really good stack spot because, like you said, it's the only game that at least should, in theory, stay close. But if he's questionable, then there's just so much guesswork here. So this is a... Probably a pretty awful slate if we don't know what's going on, and it's probably a decent one at least if we don't get any of the other updates, but at least we know that Whiteside is in or out. So that's probably the most important injury update for for the night outside of uh, the Chris Paul speculative rest that you brought up. Yeah, I was just throwing out a random thing to try to make the slate seem a little bit more exciting than it is. He's probably going to end up playing. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely uh, grasping at straws here, but it would be nice if Chris Paul doesn't play. All right, so that is going to finish today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GRNBerdFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at Preaching Sense, and we have a bigger and probably better, can't be worse slate for Tuesday.